It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Thursday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. We have John Paul and Sadie for the final time taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I got a message in asking me to give a big shout out to Con from the Fota Golf Club this morning because it's Con's birthday and I'm told he listens to the programme and he'd definitely be listening at this time of the morning morning. Don't have any more details than that, Con. Don't have your surname. I don't even know who sent in this request. But happy birthday to you. That's Con at the Photo Golf uh, Club. Hope you have hope you have a lovely, lovely birthday uh, today. Um, your thoughts are welcomed, by the way, on the latest outbreak of COVID-19 in a school. Now, I was a bit taken aback when I heard this story. This is the story that's coming out of Kerry, where pupils and staff at uh, in Kilorglan, National School in Kilorglan, the entire school community now is to be tested uh, and this is to do with what's been deemed one of the largest outbreaks of COVID-19 in any school so far and all of the children now are to remain at home until December the 30th. I saw one parent online saying well that's Christmas cancelled for us. It's on the instruction from the Department of Public Health to all of the parents. A letter was sent out uh, yesterday. 17 cases at Skull Mwira in Kilorgan. Now it's a mixed primary school and they've 386 uh, pupils and there's been 17 confirmed cases so uh, far and obviously contact tracing is still ongoing but because there were 17 positive cases the decision was made that everybody within the school is now to go forward for uh, testing. Now in so far in Ireland uh, when it comes to COVID-19 it has been uncommon to see an outbreak of this scale amongst the school population. That's according to the letter that's come from the HSE. The school management have implemented and uh, continues to implement the appropriate COVID control uh, measures and the cases and the close contacts have already been isolating but the Department of Public Health decided to do a review on the current evidence that was available and out of that they decided they were then going to extend testing to everybody in the school because up to now it seems it was only the close contacts that were going forward for testing. Any child who hasn't been previously identified 
as having COVID-19 or is a close contact has now been advised to restrict their movements until after Christmas. It's going to be Wednesday, December the 30th. The children are being referred for two tests and of course it's a number of days apart. I think it's the first test is deemed day zero and then they have to go for a second test on the 7th and then obviously the letter goes telling all of the parents what restricting the movement means. They don't go to school and they're not to leave their homes. They're not to have visitors into their homes. And in particular, they've been told they are to stay away from older people. And I was listening to the, this story unfolding last night and how this letter went out and, you know, feeling for all of the parents and the parents of a primary school. And it's going to be tricky enough Christmas for them if they all have to remain indoors and not move out. But what struck me was 17 cases so far recorded out of a primary school of 386 and it got me thinking of the case that we spoke about on Monday the school in County Mayo the Clare Morris School remember the principal there a gentleman by the name of Mark Loftus who had decided last Friday because they had 12 cases 12 confirmed cases in the school out of a much smaller pupil population they have 125 pupils in the school so almost 10% of the school population had ended up with COVID-19 and then he as a principal along the board of management took the decision that they were going to close the school on Friday contacted all the parents and then the Department of Education got wind of it and said no you're not allowed to make that decision yourself and they said you've got to reopen the school on Monday despite the heightened concerns around COVID cases in the general area of Clare Morris in County Mayo and they were told to reopen the school and they, they did reopen on Monday I think only seven pupils turned up but I, what I can't understand is what is the difference between the school in Clare Morris 12 out of 125 and this school in Kerry 17 out of 386 because if you do the now I would need a, a mathematician here but if my calculation is right the Clare Morris school runs at about 10% of the pupil population the Skull Mirror one seventeen out of 386 is about 5%. So why are you closing, telling one school to close and everyone to self-isolate and telling another school in a different part of the country that they must uh, reopen? Now, I could be very cynical and say, could it have anything to do with the school in Kilorglan happens to be in the constituency of the Minister for Education, uh, Norma Foley? don't know if that's got anything to do with it or not. But it really left me scratching my head last night. Did anybody else think about that and query that? And I'm wondering how Mark Loftus, the principal, who, who is himself, bless his heart, up in Clare Morris, self-isolating because he was a close contact of one of the cases in the school. I wonder how he's feeling today about it. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me that if you are telling one school that they must reopen and then you're telling another school that they have to close when the numbers are similar, if not higher in the school that you're telling it to open. Not making any, if anybody wants to so when you're tuppence halfpenny worth on, on that, if you have any understanding of why you would close the school in Kilorglan and leave the one in Clare Morris, I mean, does it have anything to do with it that, that the Clare Morris school decided to make the decision themselves? And it was almost like they were being put back in their box. You can't make that decision. You've got to wait for the department, of, you know, somebody from public health to make it. Whereas in Kilorglan, the school themselves didn't make the decision. They were told uh, to close. 1850 333 103. And of course, we're all waiting on the rollout of the vaccine. And Leo Varadkar was talking yesterday about the vaccine. And he said, you know, despite this, the imminent rollout of the vaccine, and fingers are crossed, that will actually 
people in nursing homes will start to receive the vaccine before the end of this year. But Leo Varadkar yesterday uh, saying that despite the vaccine and when it does arrive, expectations of a return to normality, he said, must be tempered. He's saying restrictions on gatherings will be in place for at least the next three months. He said it could e- they could even be in place for the next uh, six months. I think we're already, look. it looks like we're not going to be celebrating St. Patrick's Day next year. We know that was probably one of the first things to start to get cancelled last year at the start of the pandemic was all of the St. Patrick's Day parades and how many times did I, I announce the St. Patrick's Day parade being cancelled saying it'll be back bigger and better next year. It's now looking like we won't be celebrating St. Patrick's Day the traditional way again uh, next year. But Leo Varadkar was talking at a private Fine Gael meeting last night and there's obviously leaks coming out from that meeting and he's suggesting the government will be uh, prepared to clamp down on household visits again after the 6th of January and that's when the easing of restrictions for the Christmas period expires. But he said it will be at least the second quarter of next year before we see any kind of an impact on the vaccine programme. And when we can return to some kind of normality. Leo Varadkar warned the colleagues that the first few months of next year will be difficult and according to four sources from that meeting, restrictions on gatherings will be in place for at least three months, if not for the next six months. So the way we are living now, we could be living the very same way up to June of next year. He was optimistic by late spring, perhaps early summer, that a critical mass of the population will be evacuated. Vaccinated. He said rising cases here in the Republic were a cause of concern, but he said there's absolutely no suggestions of reimposing restrictions this side of Christmas. He obviously spoke about the situation in Northern Ireland. It really isn't look, looking good in Northern Ireland and it hasn't been looking good for quite some time, but it's worse it seems to be getting. The Northern Ireland executive, they're expected to decide today the timing and the extent of any further restrictions to be imposed because they're, what they're planning on is a five-day relaxation over Christmas. The North yesterday recorded eight further deaths. They had 510 positive cases. We here in the South had six, sadly, six further deaths with 431 new infections. But when you compare the incident rates in the North to the incident rates in the South, the North have four times higher the number of cases than we have in the Republic. For example, if we had COVID to the same extent that they have it in the North, our cases yesterday would have been, we would have been announcing 1,500 new COVID cases for yesterday. So it'll just show you how worrying a situation it is in the North. And O'Leary went on to say at that meeting that the government stood ready to provide whatever support the North would require. And of course, we mentioned it yesterday, there'd been 17 ambulances lined up outside the Antrim Area Hospital with 43 people on trolleys waiting to get in to a bed. And many of them were uh, COVID patients. At a parliamentary party uh, meeting last month, Leo Varadkar mooted the possibility of the government advising against all non-essential travel to Northern Ireland. But of course they they ruled against uh, that. The National Public Health Emergency Team, 
their meeting today. And remember, Neffert did advise against all non-essential travel, both to and from Northern Ireland. And they didn't just do that yesterday. They did that nearly a month ago. It was on the 26th of November that Neffert were saying there should be some kind of restrictions between North and South. Now, again, the government is not planning to implement this advice, despite what's going on in Northern Ireland. And of course, as we all know, restrictions on people leaving our own county they get relaxed from tomorrow, from tomorrow the 18th of December up to and including January the 6th. You can go anywhere in the country and that also includes freely travelling uh, over and back to uh, Northern Ireland. And of course, there are already huge fears about the reopening of the country, particularly with the inter-county uh, travel. I don't know how many people would have heard the public health expert, Dr Gabriel Scally, speaking yesterday. I mean, he was really enraged about what was happening in Northern Ireland, but he was appealing to uh, all of us here in the South as well and to the general public to think twice or three times about travel anywhere. He said Christmas and New Year gatherings involve different generations. They should be put back. He's saying have your Christmas in the springtime, ideally in the summer. Uh, And he went on, you know, to talk about look what happened in the States. They had Thanksgiving. Look at the rise in the spike of cases and everyone in the US are pointing directly. It was families gathered together for Thanksgiving and then they saw this massive spike in cases. Tony Houlihan uh, also yesterday warning the disease was moving in the wrong direction. We have an increase in positivity rates both over seven days and the 14 day incidence and he said these trends are all the more troubling because of the delicate and precarious situation we're in as a country and because we're heading into this period of potentially widespread inter-household and intergenerational uh, mixing. And uh, for that reason, everyone's asked to be ultra, ultra careful. And of the cases yesterday that were announced here, the 431 new cases, taking it back to us here at home, 18 cases in Cork for yesterday. We're still doing remarkably well here in Cork. Our numbers are much lower than they are in other parts of the country. Yesterday's cases, 134 were in Dublin, 53 in Donegal. Again, anywhere the border counties getting hammered again, 25 in Cavan, 24 in Louth and 22 in Mayo. And then the 173 were spread across the remaining counties of Ireland. And when you look, dig into those figures, 18 for us here in Cork. 1850-333-103. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103-103. Just some news coming out of Kerry. The Diocese of Kerry has announced that all Masses in Kilorglan will be streamed from today. No congregation due to the COVID outbreak uh, locally. So is that telling us that there's more than just COVID inside in that national school, that it is more widespread uh, than that? OK, a lot of, I can see a lot of commentary um, agreeing with me that people thought the very same thing when they heard about the school in Kilorglan closing and yet the poor little school in Clare Morris in Mayo when the board and the principal made the decision they were told no they needed to reopen Colette said yes I thought the very same thing about the school to me it's a, it seems to be all down to power that principal Mark Loftus he decided to make the decision himself so it was almost like the Department of Education wrapping him on the knuckles saying how dare you make that decision you need to uh, reopen someone else says thanks for that Colette all schools with Covid should be closed it's pure 
nonsense uh, to think schools will be less of an issue than anywhere else. The virus doesn't know the difference between a school and a nursing home. Full uh, stop. Decent West Cork. Patricia, well said about Claire Morris. My exact thoughts. It's unfathomable, says uh, Denise. Someone else says, you need to keep your children at home. Parents need to look after their own. Uh, maybe the Minister for Education has children and family going to that school in uh, Killorglen. Uh, hi there. There you go, Trish. One hand doesn't seem to know what the other hand is doing. When is the Department of Education going to get this right? Meg said, it's OK, Patricia. The Department of Education seems to know better than the doctors. Like someone else says, looks like different departments showing how powerful they are. It sounds like the Department of Health shut down the Kerry School, while the Department of Education wouldn't allow the Mayo School to uh, close down. And I'm wondering, will the, will the Mayo School now get onto the Department of Education to say, please explain this to us. How are you making one rule for a school in Kerry and making a completely different rule for us uh, here in uh, County Mayo? 1850 And on just, I want to give this a mention. Somebody has a request there. Let me see if I can find that. And can I wish Dennis Hurley a happy birthday? Happy birthday to you, Dennis. And here's a lovely text in when we were talking about masses yesterday on the programme and how different churches are organising masses and tickets have been allocated. Some people have done tickets online, some people to call to the parish uh, centre. But I'm assuming at this stage, every single church that's going to be running masses of on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day I assume that they're all now fully booked. Did we ever think they would be booking to go to Mass? Uh, hi Patricia, just to give a big shout out to the two wonderful priests in Bandon who by their own admission are in their 70s. They're doing Trojan work, says this texter. They're going to do six Masses on Christmas Eve and they're going to do three Masses on Christmas Day. That's an absolutely exhausting schedule, says this texter. I hope people will acknowledge this. Thanking you. And I'm told they're the two Father Johns. Aren't they remarkable? Two men in their 70s who could easily have said we'll just do masses online this year folks nobody else to help them out and there they're going to do six masses on Christmas Eve and three on Christmas Day nine masses between the two of them that is an exhausting uh, schedule I really hope that those two gentlemen those two priests are well looked after on Christmas Day well done to the two Father Johns in Bandon C103 The housing charity Threshold along with the Society of St Vincent de Paul are asking for a review of HAP that's the main rental support scheme which is relied on by about 100,000 households nationwide. Joining me to explain why there's a need for this review from uh, Threshold, I'm joined by Karina uh, Timothy, who is West Region's Service Manager with Threshold. Good morning to you, Karina. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're very welcome. I suppose for those outside of the scheme, can you just explain how the HAP works? Okay, so the HAP, the HAP scheme, is, it's a form of um, social housing support that's... Um, whereby a local, the local authority, the council, will pay rent to a private landlord on behalf of a tenant. Okay. Um, and the tenant then pays um, a, um, a portion of their income in, in rent to the local authority. And it replaced the old rent allowance, didn't it? Wasn't that? Yes, what, yes. That, that's what happened. And what, what are the main faults of it? Well, I suppose... The big one really is that there are there are HAP rent caps um, at, which were set in, in the summer of 2016 um, so that the local authority is limited in how much rent it can pay, pay to the landlord. And the big thing about it is um, that, that the HAP caps don't actually reflect actual rents. 
So there's a shortfall between real rents and what the local authority are willing to pay or what the local authority can pay. And, and, and that leaves the tenant having to top up their rent to the landlord which is unaffordable for many. And this is on a very limited uh, budget. And when you say they were set in the summer of 2016, I'm assuming there's a, there's a big difference between what, what rents were in the summer of 2016 and what they are in December of 2020. Yes, uh, like national rent, in that period of time, national rent grew in, in the country grew by 27%. Hap caps haven't gone up. They have, you know, they haven't, they haven't reflected the increase in rent. They've stayed at, at, at 2016 rates. They really need to be reviewed, I think, at this point. Has COVID also had an impact in that some people have lost their jobs or they might have seen pay cuts or their hours are reduced? So financially, many people are struggling even more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this year... This year, people entered uh, unemployment who'd who'd previously never been in in unemployment. And, you know, having to supply for social housing support, whether it be rent supplement or HAP, um, and not being being able to meet meet their rent. What What we're finding, though, is that most tenants will... They'll put rent before anything else. So the first thing is pay the rent, keep the roof over the head, and then where they're kind of where they're missing out then is trying to meet other other demands. You know, like electricity bills, child childcare costs, all that kind of stuff. So those, so trying to meet those costs, um, you know, is just impossible when when you're trying to when you're trying to pay really really high rent and the and social housing support isn't really um meeting meeting what what those rent levels are. Even things like food, Karina, people are, people are struggling because it's very understandable if you have a family, why you will want to keep the roof over your head. Yeah, you'll prioritise rent above, above, above anything else and other things then go by the wayside. And that's where the likes of Vincent Paul, and I know you yeah. were with Vincent Paul on this one, they're seeing people coming to them who are hungry. There's food poverty. It's just, it's, it's unimaginable to think that there's food poverty going on, but there is. Yes, there is, there is. You know that's 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 the world we're living in at the moment. So um, yeah, yeah. And because with COVID though, Karina, have more properties become available for rent? I mean, we don't have the tourists coming into this country. We have less uh, student uh, students. Has that helped in any way? Um, it it has helped a little bit. It's a bit too early to tell, to be honest. To be honest with you, you know, we, we might be able to see better next year. Will it have an effect on rents actually going down? Um, but it's more the urban areas where where more properties would be available. But you know, the kind of the converse of that then is, you know, with people been with some people being able to work from home, you know, they may not need to live in Cork or Dublin or Galway. Um, so that could possibly lead to an increase in rent outside of the urban areas. Yeah, traditionally it was always the urban areas. It was it was hardest to get proper properties. And of course, at the end of the bottom of all of this and the problem of all of this is we need more social housing. I mean, HAP now is really being used, isn't it, as a form of long term social housing? Never designed for that. It is. It is. Um, it is. It is. It is viewed as a long term social social housing support. And I mean, HAP has many benefits. And you know, in that. With, with the old rent supp- supplement system, basically, you know, if you worked at all, you lost your rent supplement entitlement, and it, that could have been a, a disincentive, you know, to, um, to finding full time employment. The good thing about HAP is you can work and and um, still still be eligible for HAP. But the problem with it, um, in addition to let's say the HAP caps not not reflecting actual rents, is that there's no security of tenure there. So. 
you're renting from a private landlord and the, the private landlord is free to serve you notice um, um, should he wish if he wants to sell the house or if he needs a house for his own use he can do so so there's no security of tenure there that social housing allows and people live in constant fear that yeah, that, that, that letter will arrive yeah it's tough it really is okay and is there any talks of a review of of HAP um, we're asking for it we're calling for it Um that's kind of where it's at at yeah, the moment. Keeping your fingers there's crossed. Been no, there's been no commitment as as, as of yet uh, by the government um, to review it. Okay. All right. We just, uh, have, we just have to keep hammering away that's there. That's it. That's it. And, and you're great at threshold for that. Listen, uh, have a great Christmas, Karina, uh, and thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thanks a million, Patricia. Take Good morning care. Happy to Christmas. you. Uh, bye bye. That is Karina uh, Timothy, West Regions Services Manager with uh, Threshold and the problems that people are experiencing with uh, HAP. 1850-333-103. Just to follow on a couple of things from uh, yesterday, we had Dennis, or oh, it was Dennis from Liscarra kicked this off yesterday. He contacted us because he said they were two days without water in the village of Liscarra. So we were on to Irish Water to try to find out what was going on with them. They came back to us when we came off air yesterday to say that they were repairing a burst water main and that was the reason for the water outage in Liscarroll and they were hoping to have water restored yesterday evening. So I'm assuming all the good people in in Liscarroll, your water is back to you. We were also talking about car insurance on the programme yesterday and we had Peter Boland of the um, Insurance Alliance Group joining us talking about this central bank report. I think that astounded a lot of people showing this, that the evidence is there of this dual pricing and in particular if you're very loyal to your insurance company and you've been with them for many years they know that no matter what premium they send out to you they know you're just going to pay it and showing that the people that shop around are getting much better value getting much cheaper insurance but the evidence is there now from the central bank that this is actually going on that there's almost targeting people and it is a tendency to be vulnerable people who you know don't have broadband uh, don't have the know-how to how to go online and shop around or maybe they're elderly they don't they're not able uh, to do it and it's almost like the insurance company are targeting these people and they know they're the ones we're going to bleed more money out of. It's just shocking to think that they could be that callous uh, about it. But we started to get evidence of that. And here's a great email in from Lister. Doesn't want me to mention her name, which is fine. So Patricia, my, with my car insurance, I was with Aviva. And when my renewal notice arrived, it had increased. I tried getting into my account online, but I had problems actually accessing it. So I decided I would go on to the Aviva website and open up as a new customer, give them all the very same details and see what would happen. I got an insurance quote that was €260 less than the premium they'd sent me out for the uh, renewal. Um, I was listening to you discussing this uh, yesterday on the programme. Isn't that incredible? Just showing. it. I mean, that was the one thing that came out from my chat with Peter yesterday. If nothing else, shop around for your car insurance. It also affects your house insurance. And if you have elderly people, like maybe your parents, grandparents, and you know that they don't shop around, do the shopping around for them instead, or at least guide them to a broker who can do it for them. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And just showing how uh, tough rent, when we were talking about the HAP scheme and how tough 
the the re- people stuck in private rented accommodation, even with the HAP scheme helping them out, how difficult life can be at the moment. Uh, listen says, hi Trish, just listening to you talking about the rent uh, scheme. I rent privately and in my six years, my rent has doubled. Yes, it's hard to survive. And as your guest from Threshold said, the rent always comes first rather than other things come after that. There has been weeks where the fridge is nearly bare. Uh, thanking you and that's the point I made that there are people living in food poverty just to make sure that they keep the roof uh, over their heads and to think what Karina from Threshold was saying that they set the rent the rent for HAP scheme they set it in the summer of uh, 2016 there's a huge difference between the summer of 2016 and what people are paying in rent in 2020 if that lady in six years her rent has almost uh, doubled it's a crazy scenario indeed hope you have a, a, a lovely peaceful Christmas and thank you for your text now Drumahan National School in North Cork they are again this year asking parents to support the Cork Homeless Help and Support Group by making a donation in lieu of any presents to teachers and staff members and to find out more I'm joined by the principal of Drumahan National School and that's uh, Dennis Murray Good morning to you Dennis Morning Patricia happy uh, w- yeah. and many happy uh, returns Now your plan this year has to be slightly different to what you did last year so can you explain what you're doing this year and what's happening Well as you know Patricia an awful lot has changed in school so this year instead of the children bringing in food items or clothes, out, clothes items for the homeless we're giving parents an opportunity just to make a small donation. We have a, an e-payment system on our school database so they can make their contribution through that. And on Tuesday, we hope to present a cheque to the Cork Homeless Health and Support Group. Again, we'll probably have to pass the cheque out over the wall to them. They might be able to come in and collect it. But that's all part of the new normal. But so far, the response from the parents and that has been brilliant. Is this, is this the second year? Yeah, last year what we did was every classroom filled a donation box, either with food items or with warm clothes. One class even collected a lot of wool where we worked with an active retirement group in a school in Glenmire to knit clothes for the homeless. I remember that. that. So this is our our COVID version of it, I suppose. Okay, and and why that particular charity, Dennis? And it's just really a local lady approached us last year. One of the staff members was involved and we were on about doing something for Christmas and the fact that we had a staff member involved, we said, why not, you know? It's a great charity. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's yeah. a fantastic charity. How, how do parents react? How do they react last year? How are they reacting this year? Because you're saying to parents, do this in lieu of giving a gift to the teacher. Well, look, I suppose if I'm totally honest, there were gifts given last year as well as the donations. What? And I think I, I have no doubt that families will make the donation this year and I still think there will be gifts coming in at Christmas time. We can't stop them. We do appreciate them. But And I think especially this year, parents really do appreciate the great work that has been done by all schools since September. So I think even despite the donation and despite saying, look, there's no need for presents, presents Parents are very good and they appreciate the work that's being done. But you are leaving it up to uh, families if they can afford to give or not. Absolutely. And the same with the donation. The donation is per family, but it's entirely voluntary. Okay. And it's a small donation. Okay. And you've, you've, you've got some really good news this year for the, for the school. Did I, did I read this week planning approved for a new school? Yeah, practically a new school, Patricia. We built a standalone extension in 2000, or opened it in 2014. 
with three classrooms and we got planning this week for an extra five classrooms, sports hall, ancillary rooms, everything like that. So when it's, that will tie in with the existing building and our main old building, which really is no longer fit for use, will be knocked and we'll have a lovely new school behind our current school, plenty of room at the front for playgrounds, off-road parking, everything like that. Brilliant. And the planning permission came through at the start of the week. Have you a deadline on when you'd hope to be in? Oh, last <laughs> year was, was one of the deadlines and the year before that. We're 15 years <laughs> chasing this. Now, definitely the, the extension we got in 2014 probably, you know, knocked it down the road a bit. But if they, tend, if they plow ahead with the tendering process in the new year, I'd be hoping maybe we could turn aside in the summer. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. be fantastic. And once, they, and once the builders get in and start the work, it does go up pretty quickly after that. It's just to, it it's to see and that sod being turned and the work beginning. Exactly. And the way our school is, is situated and the fact that the building is going behind our current school, school will continue as normal and it won't disrupt the day-to-day school life which is great, you know. Has it been the craziest year for you, Dennis? Oh, look, everything is totally different. Absolutely. Now, there are some pluses, you know, just a very small thing. We've staggered our break times to space the children out, but it means the children that are in the yard then have a way more space to play. Yeah. You once had two classes in a piece of ground, you now only have one. You know, that's one of the positives. Yeah. Um, or IT... Skills as a staff have improved greatly. Work is going home through Seesaw and Zoom, and it's being done. So, you know, there are some of the positives out of it. Obviously, we've had no matches this term. Christmas plays, we haven't had any public performances, but every class are sending a piece or a play home online to the parents uh, to enjoy over Christmas. And they'll have that forever then? They'll have that forever yeah. and they can forward the link to Nana's and Granddad's yeah. who might have been able to come in to see the show. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. You know? That's nice. And, uh, and the... I have to say, sorry to have said that the staff, not just in our school, but in every school have been brilliant. And also the behaviour of the children, the way they've adapted to the new routines, the lining up before you go into class, the washing the hands, the sanitising, the wiping the they have been brilliant. Yeah, we forget how tough this has been on, on children and younger children. I mean, only last week I did a piece about uh, the, the study that came out showing anxiety in primary school children, something, you know, we never really would have spoken about before and now an increase in anxiety in primary school children. Absolutely. And I think that was why it was so important to get the schools open. And I mean, parents told us that within a week or two being back in school, the form of children, the humour of children improved immensely. Just nothing to do with the education side of it, but just being back, playing with their bodies, meeting their bodies, socialising, every bit as important as the education. How did you manage with First Holy Communion and Confirmation? We were lucky with our confirmation. We had it the week before we were closed down. Oh! <laughs> got lucky there. Yeah. And our communion was obviously delayed. And what we did on a Saturday in September... We had two sittings and just the child receiving the communion and their parents. And I must say, it worked very well. It was a very reverent ceremony where the focus was really on the sacrament. So again, 
it might be something to look at. Yeah. You know, so we can road, yeah, we might. can learn from this. We can learn from this for sure. Okay, listen, uh, Dennis, pleasure as always to, uh, to talk to you. Good luck with your your fundraising for Cork Homeless Help and Support Group. It's a, it's a brilliant uh, initiative and a happy Christmas to you and all the no, gang at Drumahan. Would you just give me one minute if you don't mind, and you can put the plug if you if you want to. Go on. But I'm just saying, if, I'm sure a lot of local politicians listen to us, your show. If anyone there has the ear of the Minister of Education, I really think it's a shame that the schools aren't closing this Friday, just to increase the chances for all the staff, the children and their families to enjoy Christmas. We saw a case in Killarglin already this morning, yeah. where a lot of those children are in isolation until the 30th of December. And I think maybe if the Minister could see it to close the schools tomorrow, it would give everyone a real chance of enjoying Christmas because this weekend there's going to be a lot of movement. You know, I'd be worried about Monday and Tuesday in the school. Okay. But, you know, there has an ear. That's a, that's a good plea on behalf of the schools. All right, Dennis, and thank all you. Schools. All, all schools, absolutely. Listen, happy Christmas to you. No problem. And thanks thank for joining us. Good morning good to you. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest an unusual query about the face masks that we're all wearing at the moment from one of our listeners saying um, I get a strange numb feeling in my face after wearing a face mask it happens with both cloth masks and with the disposable surgical masks so even if I wear it for an hour I can feel my lips says this listener and around my lower face starting to feel numb any tips uh, thanking you and a happy Christmas and, and many happy returns. Haven't heard of that dilemma before, but let's see. Anybody else noticing that? If you've the mask on for, you know, over an hour, that the lips starting to get feeling numb and the lower face starting to feel numb. It's a strange one. Of course, we're all getting used to wearing these masks and we'll be used to wearing them, I think, for, for certainly most of next year as well. Uh, so if anybody, has that happened to anybody else? Anybody, any suggestions on what this listener can do to try to alleviate the numb feeling that she's getting? Or anybody got an explanation for it? Anyone, anyone who wears masks a lot, I'm assuming if there's any nurse or a doctor listening who's used to wearing the masks, you know, it's just, it's us lay people are just getting used to wearing them. So if anybody knows of a solution of how this lady can get around that, let us know, 1850 Hi, Patricia, on insurance. I find with insurance companies, they encourage you to use their online platforms to renew. But on them, you can't debate in inverted commas your quote. You only get the option to pay the quote or or decline, which is true. There's nothing like the human contact of speaking with somebody. And we've all done that before where you've rang up somewhere to get a quote and you can debate and argue and put forward your case as to why it should be lower. And they can ask you the questions that maybe can help lower your quote. So you are right doing it online. You get the one option then to you either take that quote or you don't. And staying on quotes. Listen to this one. Listener says, I got a quote for my car insurance. The quote was for €752. I decided to shop around. I've got the very same car insurance for €338. So I got out my little pencil and paper and did the arithmetics on that. That's a saving of €414. So that listener paid less than half 
of what the original quote was and what the the original insurance company is hoping that you'll just pay the 752 and I guarantee you if you had paid the 752 I guarantee you you would be coming back to me next year when your car insurance premium came in and I guarantee it would be higher because they would be banking on you being in that group of people who don't go out and shop around. So well done for shopping around and I'm happier for you to have the money in your bank account than in the bank account of an insurance company. It does pay to shop around for sure. Nora says, Patricia, would you say a big thank you please to the pupils of Anna Leinta. They sent a lovely letter and a painting by the little children to all of the older people in Morn Abbey. What a lovely thought. Isn't that great? Some of the schools have been really good about getting the young people to reach out to the older in the community and people that they you know fear may be isolated or maybe feeling a little bit lonely. So that's a really, really uh, great thought. And thank you to Paula. Her Get Up and Go diary arrived in, in the post. We posted all of those together and they're arriving in dribs and drabs. I think every day this week we have had somebody say that they received their diary in the post that we gave away last week. So to anybody still waiting, they are in the post and you will uh, receive it. Hi, Patricia. Would you pay tribute to our wonderful priest in Rock Chapel? It's Father Stitch. He covers Mwilin and Rock Chapel. He is going to put on six masses in total. He'll do three on Christmas Eve, three on Christmas Day, and he's doing that over two different churches. He's always so obliging. We are so lucky to uh, have him. You are indeed. So well done to Father Stitch um, on that six masses for one priest. That really is uh, going above and beyond the call of duty. And actually then a lovely email in on this very subject, which kind of gives gives me food for thought when I read it out. Say hi, Patricia. There's been a lot of talk about Christmas masses this year and how they'll be modified and controlled to keep everybody safe. A huge volume of work goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees. To put a ticket system in operation, all the seats being used must be identified, marked, computerised and then offered to the general public. Family seats are made available, individual seats are marked, children's masses are put in place, the church is decorated and most importantly, the church is cleaned. Then after every single mass that will go ahead on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, all the seats must be sanitised before the next mass begins. Stewards will be in place to show people to their, their, their seats. They are there to help you. When Christmas is over, I'm sure there will be people who will be saying, oh, you should have done this and you should have done that. Let us all remember we can only do our best. And how right that emailer is uh, to the programme uh, today. And, and I hope we don't get any criticism after Christmas. I really hope that people will accept and take on board the amount of work that is going in and the planning that has to go in place in order to try to get masses that members of the general public can attend. And that's why it's good to see so many people today calling out individual priests and saying, give them a shout out, give them a mention, because they will be working flat out on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day for sure. 1850-333-103 on schools. And this is all tying in with the fact that we've heard that the school in Kilorglim closing now. It got announced yesterday all of the pupils in the schools. All of the parents got letters to say that they are the school is closed and will remain closed until after after well it will remain closed until after the Christmas holidays but the children have been told that they must self-isolate until the 30th of December and that's regardless of whether they get a COVID-19 positive 
result or not they're all being tested everyone in the school has been tested but everyone has been told they must limit their contact and all the children have to be, are being referred for two tests they'll have their first test and then seven days later they'll have to go back for a seven uh, second test but they all have to restrict their movements until at least the 30th of December and as I mentioned one parent says well that's Christmas cancelled for us. Uh, Sandy says I tend to agree with your view that schools are only allowed to close if some civil servant sitting at a desk makes that decision. This is with regard to why has Kilorglin closed and the one in Clare Morris uh, hasn't. This is Sandy texting uh, it's the civil servant makes the decision not the people affected by the virus i.e. as in Clare Morris the principal and the board of management. But when did logic ever prove to be a reason for a civil service decision? A friend advised me once if you're asking a state employee for anything act the fool tell them first of the problem and ask for advice including an explanation of how to carry it out and the trade required says Sandy and I wonder does that work and has you, have you ever tried that and did it work for you Hi Patricia please remember there was a school in Glenmire that had 17 cases last month and they were forced to close for two weeks yeah you're right and that's what I think makes the whole thing what happened in Clare Morris these people scratching their heads because schools in other parts of the country were told to close but it's, it looks like it was when this school made the decision themselves that they were taken to task kind of a rap on the back of the knuckles you're not allowed to make that decision it's only we can make the decision we're the ones that are going to tell you somebody else says some parents don't want their children at home from school they don't want to mind them all they are looking for are child minders and that's how they view schools so not everybody would be looking for schools to close tomorrow and we know we, the shout out went out from Dennis Murray, the principal of Drumahan. He's hoping the Department of Education will pay heed, particularly with what's going on in Kilorglin, and that they will close early. Because a number of weeks ago, there was a shout out by some of the teachers' unions to close for Christmas early and to close tomorrow. And the Department of Education said, no way, schools close for the, it's a standardised school year and the Christmas holidays begin next Tuesday. Tickets are half day next Tuesday so there'll be a day and a half uh, next week. It'll be up to parents. It'll be interesting if we did a run, uh, if we did a ring around of schools next week. I wonder will all of the children turn up? Will parents actually bring their children in to, to school? Because I take it that some parents, if they're going to have vulnerable, maybe elderly parents, you know, coming to spend Christmas with them or coming to spend Christmas Day with them, they might decide to limit the children's contacts. And if they're doing that, I think they certainly won't be sending uh, their children uh, to school. This is Mavis. If the COVID-19 is increasing, surely it's sensible not to relax the restrictions. As we know from tomorrow, people could go you could travel anywhere in the county. Uh, perhaps those in power don't know the meaning of the word sensible. Ooh. Mavis says, maybe they're trying to call a few more older people. Oh, don't say that, Mavis. That's, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Uh, anyway, Mavis says, Christmas will not be cancelled. It'll just be a smaller scale this year. There are obviously those who will not abide by the restrictions, but they'll always be there. Mavis feels that the Gardaí need to be given more uh, power. Mike and Bantry says, Patricia, the older generation are great to self-isolate. It's the younger people. Can we get the message through to the younger people that they won't explode if they don't go uh, drinking? In defence though of younger people, when we went into the six-week lockdown, level five back in October, 
that really worked for the younger people and the stats were there showing that the cases in the 19 to 20 or 18 to 24 year old age group there was a huge drop in the number of cases in that age group during that lockdown so they definitely did abide by uh, the rules and regulations and what they were told uh, to do. Uh, hi Patricia is there any word now this listener has said Alice which she means Joanne whose uh, daughter wanted to come home for Christmas and whose the son was against it yeah uh, we I mentioned that the after the weekend after we did it uh, Joanne got on to us to say that her daughter she got her daughter to listen to the podcast of the programme just to say look we were talking about you coming home at Christmas without her being named and obviously Joanne it wasn't Joanne's real name either and the daughter took on board everything that she heard that was mentioned on the programme and took on board the brother's concerns about not travelling home for, for Christmas and has decided not to come home. She's going to spend her, she's off for two weeks, she's going to spend the two weeks uh, over in the UK instead and even though she said it'll be a lonely Christmas but she's taken on board why the brother's concerns because remember the brother had said that if she came home he was moving out and his concerns was for the mother and for himself as well. He didn't, he was fearful with the cases rising in the UK and they're still rising in the UK as well. So I think the daughter has, has really made the correct uh, decision here. 1850 and just a quick into the WhatsApp from John. Uh, Patricia on COVID, haven't we a great government? Look at all them fancy fridges. These are the big freezers that they have purchased in order to store the COVID-19 vaccine because it has to be stored at minus 70 degrees. Us, the taxpayers have paid for, for that and I'm sure they came at a huge cost. Yeah, I never found out how much those freezers cost. Anyway, it's to store the COVID vaccine. Great idea, but now we're being told we're only going to get two and a half thousand for the time being. Should they fit in my own fridge, says uh, John. I'm looking forward to having my Christmas dinner outside in the wind and rain this year with my mask on. And I can't wait for a COVID New Year and more lockdowns because this time next year, most of us won't have gotten any COVID jab. Have no doubt. People can't even get the flu jab this year. We are setting ourselves up for a miserable 2021. We should be still in level five lockdown. One quiet Christmas won't kill any of us all in the head for one dinner and the dinner is over in 20 minutes people can be so stupid at times says John yeah the rollout of the vaccine is going to be very slow I think the powers that be know that and are accepting that I was taken aback actually when I heard it looks like the first consignment will only be about two and a half uh, thousand and remember it's two doses per person so I'm assuming that that won't be even two and a half thousand people if that's all that we manage to get and by the way they won't need very large freezers for it John is right because I read today the two and a half thousand vials of the vaccine comes in a container a little bit the size like the size of a pizza box because they're very small tiny little vials just about the size of a pizza box box <laughs> they have these but please God they will need to use those big freezers because please God as we go through the year and the vaccines and Pfizer start producing more and more of the vaccines please God and of course it's also possible that the European Medicines Agency will also give the go ahead for maybe the Moderna vaccine or one of the other or the Oxford vaccine or one of the other vaccines so there will be more vaccines even though it's only the Pfizer that needs to be stored in those massive freezers. How much the freezers cost? I don't know. But don't you know if it's a big sum of money and if the freezers aren't used? We'll be hearing about that in the new year for sure. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
The Bond Secure Hospital in Cork, they are looking for a cardiac psychologist for maternity leave uh, contract. While a a Delhi assistant is required, it's for Toker Industrial Estate in Cork. Balancholic coaches, they're looking for a bus driver full and part-time. It's for the school transport contract. And Hamilton French are looking for a ground worker for Mallow. You need to have experience with contract and shuttering and references are required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A group of master's students from NUI Galway who contracted COVID-19 in September of this year have created an awareness campaign to highlight how easily the virus spreads. Gareth Davey is a member of the class and he joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Gareth. Hi there, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, how are you doing health-wise and how badly were you affected by covid um, I'm keeping well now. Um, like you said, um, we contracted it back in September now, so it's passed out of my system and all that. But um, a scary time for all in the class. Um, we were I was lucky to be asymptomatic throughout it, but even without that, you know, day by day, you're not sure what the next day holds, you know, if you're going to lose your taste or smell or, you know, each day is just, you know, it's vital as the next. So, um, but luckily now I'm kind of, I'm over that, um, you know, time my health again. And you didn't have any of the fatigue or a cough or anything like that? Very much a fatigue, yes. That was uh, one thing that I very much noticed that, you know, just quite very, very tired. But um, luckily, I was one of the, I didn't have loss of taste or smell, but others in the class did. And has that returned? Um, they have returned since. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So t- how many in the class were diagnosed COVID positive? Um, so 17 out of the 27. Wow. Okay, your class, you went back to college earlier than everybody else. Did you follow all of the safety protocols? Yep. So anyway, Galway really couldn't have done enough. Um, you know, they put together all the necessary health and safety guidelines. You know, were taken by the class. We were in a lecture hall that, you know, seats, I believe, 150 to 200 people. So a class of 30 was in that um, in that space. We were all spread out, you know, two metres, all wearing our masks throughout the lecture. And um, we believe as such, you know, that, you know, it was in lovely you know, September as well. We were lucky enough to be able to eat lunch outside, you know, the nice weather. And we think, you know, maybe that was a possibility that, you know, even sit down, you know, spread across the grass and that, you know, you know, the virus could spread that way. So you were doing everything right, everything according to the book and still 17 out of 27. When did you realise as a group that you might be in trouble and that you might need to go for testing? How did that all turn out? So with so with the first week, um, we, as we said, we were on campus all spread out as well. And in the second week, we... Um, learned that one one of the classmates had been in close contact with a positive case. Uh, the classmate then went and got tested and they learned that they were positive. And we immediately, as a class, hearing this, that we moved to online learning. So we all went home that day and we commenced the learning. They, we commenced learning again that day online. Um, in that week as well, we decided as a class, just, you know, even though we were kind of uh, socially distanced and spread out, that, you know, just for our safety and those close to us as well, their safety, that we'd all get tested. We all contacted our GPs or the um, medical unit on campus to book tests. All got tests, you know, within that week and um, just got results then. Um, a very frightful time, just, you know, hearing all those news. Um, very, very frightful. 
Yeah, and then one by one, text messages going around saying, I'm positive, I'm positive, I'm not, I got away with it. Was there a huge shock, Gareth, amongst the group? Definitely, definitely. Just, you know, to have that, um, they have those texts as well. I mean, we still commence with our learning, as I said, on virtual learning um, as the weeks go by. And, you know, we're you just get texts or phone calls to tell you this, you know, that you've been positive. And then, you know, to go into your 14-day isolation, you know, in your room, uh, you know, just the four walls, you know, quite a lonely time isolation, as you can imagine. And then um, to get, you know, to see some of the news go out as well, um, as they say, you know, some quite negative feedback of the class, you know, people... Um, as they say, keyboard warriors, you know, not even understanding the story, just kind of thinking, putting up fake stuff as well that, you know, really hurt the class, as you can imagine, you know, they call us, you know, words that are thrown down such as selfish and all that. When we've put, you know, the university and us put together all the, you know, necessary health and safety guidelines and to hear this, you know, hurtful stuff, you know, really, really, you know, really affected the class, as you can imagine. Because you were, as a group, you were pains to point out, I mean, you're, you're studying for a master, so the timetable would have been quite quite a, a strict timetable and, and a busy timetable. As a group, you weren't out socialising. I mean, I know the, the Spanish arch thing was going on at the time, but you weren't you weren't out socialising. No, like I said, we were, if, if, if people seen our timetable, you know, the idea that we were out, you know, party and all that, it's laughable. And people think that, assume that, um, I think people just as soon as they hear a case with with your know, students or within the youth, they're automatically you know want to point fingers and you know want to assume stuff, um, without hearing the full story and all that you know, which is really you know really hurts you know deformation of all of all the class and you know anyway go away as such. Yeah, and you're battling it as you say at that stage. You're battling the fact that you are COVID positive, even if you don't have symptoms. As you say, it's what's going through your head, going, "What's tomorrow going to be like? What's the next day uh, going to be like?" Where did you do your 14 day isolation? So um, I did it in my, um, I'm living in a house here in Galway with a few friends. Um, I isolated as well straight away and lucky enough, they all got tested as well, my housemates, and they came back negative. Um, quite peculiar as well, but um, it was just a really kind of a frightful time for everyone. And, um, you know, to tell to tell people at first, you know, we thought it was quite, um, to tell people, you know, I tested positive, you know, to then go off and get tested, you know, you don't know who, who their contacts were and such like that. Um mm. Some people in the class, for example, you know, I lived with my friends, but other people in the class, you know, lived at home with their parents and, you know, very close to their loved ones, um, elderly as well. That was a frightful time for other people in the class. And did I read you originally from Sligo, isn't it? First, yeah, originally from Sligo. So have you been home since? I haven't been home since August. Wow. Yeah. And is that because you were COVID positive or you just made the decision? COVID positive and just with workload as well and you know I've um, some of my family members as well are kind of um, be high risk as well um, so just it's just easier kind of stay here you know throughout that time without knowing you know you don't want to bring something home you know God knows what would happen then Will you go home for Christmas? Uh, yes Yeah Definitely, okay. Mum wants me home for that. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. Because because obviously you to make that call and put that call through to to Mammy to say, guess what, I'm COVID positive. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah, too, it was, yeah? It was a frightful time, you know. If everyone at home just to hear that news, but um, lucky enough, you know, um, my mum's a nurse as well. You know, she knows the kind of protocol that need to be followed and all that. Um, my sister lives at the other side of Galway City, so I was lucky enough, you know, any kind of groceries or stuff could be you know sent over my way at the doorstep. So. Um, that was the main thing that really got you know myself through it, and not only me but the entire class got through it was the kind of support that we you know we had around us, you know not only family members but the class alone. And um, as you can imagine, you know 
going through this together with you know people that we've just met since September. You know, we've we've incredibly bonded throughout that time. You know, throughout our isolation, you know, we were constantly sending messages. We were having um, you know quiz nights, you know, via Zoom, <laughs> yeah, Netflix parties, everything like just to keep each other you know yeah. motivated, keep each other happy, like. Yeah, because anyone, Gareth, that I've spoken to, um, uh, particularly people who are not very sick with COVID-19 and people who, who don't have symptoms, 14 days stuck in a room, it's, it really is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I will say, like, um, we, were, we were kind of lucky in the sense that we were still doing college work, so we could still kind of um, get our mind off, you know, kind of put our mind on something else. Um, but very tough at the same time, you know what I mean? You can't even... You know, I have a garden in front of my house and my dad, you know, I couldn't even like walk out there or something like that. It felt kind of um, bad, you know, if I couldn't even go out for fresh air or something like that, like um, just difficult. The longest 14 days of your life, Gareth, I imagine, I imagine to date. So, so your, your message to young people and indeed anybody who is considering socialising and heading out over Christmas, what, what's your message, Gareth? Just to really kind of um, keep up, you know, all the guidelines that we kind of put in place, you know, there is the ease of transmission as such. And, you know, the important message is that, you know, as we get over the holiday period, um, that, you know, keep following all these guidelines. I know there might be, you know, over the horizon, there's news of a vaccine, but we're kind of at that last push that we just need from everyone. Because um, it really is just a very, very important time for everyone, you know, protecting loved ones, protecting those close to us, to keep following these guidelines. Yeah, it's just so, so uh, important. I should have asked you at the outset, what are you actually studying? What are you doing your master's in? So it's a master's in marketing practice. It's in s- anyway, Galway. Say it again. Master's in marketing practice. Okay. And this is your, obviously you're in your last final year. Uh, yes, so okay. it's a one year master's. Big bag word of work next year, please God. <laughs> okay, listen, you look after yourself and uh, well done for going public and highlighting it and, and getting the message out. People will listen, I'm, I'm sure, and uh, take on board what, you, what you're saying and continue good health to you and the rest of the gang. Brilliant. Uh, okay. Thanks for having me. Take so care. Anyone, yeah, all the best. Take care. Bye-bye. That is uh, Gareth Day- Davy, who was one of those students from NUI in Galway. 17 out of 27 in the class are picking it up and that was abiding by all of the rules and the regulations. It just shows you how uh, tough, how easy it is to pick up uh, COVID-19. And actually somebody has just uh, sent in a text which is important to mention saying, Patricia, would you give a shout out reminding everyone that the vaccine... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Please God, sooner rather than later when it arrives is a step forward. It's not a cure. I've heard so many people talking about how they'll be able to throw away their mask, hug everyone as soon as they get they get their vaccination, probably due to the government hype. But we don't have the data yet to show if it stops the spread. It is a positive step, but we still need to protect each other. And you're right. And I think if you listen to Tony Houlihan and Dr. Ronan Glynn, any of the experts from Neffet, they're constantly trying to get that message uh, across it's just one tool in the armour against COVID even if you're vaccinated you'll still be told to socially distance you'll still be told to wear wear your mask because you can get you can have the vaccination and it just means it will protect you and you won't get as sick if you get COVID but we still don't know if you get the vaccine and you get COVID you probably don't even know you have it but we still don't know if that's not going to stop you spreading it to everybody else so yes you are right you won't just simply get the vaccine throw the mask away and be out hugging everyone uh, for sure but I think once the vaccine arrives and once they start getting the vaccination message out they've got a big job of work on their hands I think to get that part of the message across but please God they will 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we're going to Bantry, Garda Station for this week's uh, Garda Five, where I'm joined by Garda Don Davis. Good morning to you, Don. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome. I'm glad to report there's no crimes to report this week, so we're not looking for help uh, from anyone, but it does give us a chance to uh, talk about the Garda Shikona, the road safety campaign, uh, because sadly we have seen, you know, road accidents which has led to fatalities, and we certainly don't want any more this side of Christmas. Certainly not, Patricia. And I suppose it's just a reminder that that road safety campaign will continue by the Ongarda Shikana until the 5th of January. And I suppose the message is very clear, Patricia. We're asking people just to slow down. Do not drive if you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs or indeed any combination of both. And I suppose to understand that we all have a shared responsibility to help each other and stay safe on our roads this Christmas. Yeah, and the weather, you know, it's, it's a pretty miserable day uh, here here today. Uh, and I, I was coming to work quite early this, well, before eight this morning and it, it was dark. People need to make sure that they're, they're, they've lights on in their car, but pedestrians need to make sure that they can be seen as well. Absolutely, pedestrians and I suppose cyclists and I'm an avid cyclist myself. It's important that you're wearing high visibility, that you're high visible to, to other road users, that you know, that we all understand that there's a danger on the roads and we work together to make the road safer. OK, and let's not forget that COVID-19 has gone nowhere. So all of the usual follow all the government guidelines. 
Absolutely. Again, just I was asked just to give one reminder. I suppose we're going into Christmas where there'll be a lot more socialising probably and, you know, just to continue uh, and encourage people to wash hands, continue the social distancing. I suppose try to avoid crowded places if at all possible and use face masks where necessary. And I suppose, look, we're all in this together. We've done really well. And if we give it one last bash, we're nearly out the other side of the Patricia, please God. And from tomorrow, people can travel outside of their county so there won't be the, the checkpoints that we've seen on the county bounds. You won't have the same uh, COVID checkpoints. Obviously, on Garishkana, road safety campaign will continue. There will be lots of visible checkpoints between now and Christmas. But... Uh, the guidelines for intercounty, um, you can transfer or drive within intercounty, so there's no problem with those movements. Okay, and I know you want to give a shout out to all of the frontline workers. Listen, it's been a real difficult year, so I think it's really important. And I know it's been done on a regular basis, but just I've been asked on behalf of Garishkana to thank all frontline workers all Blue Line Rescue Services who assist on Garishikon on a daily basis. And indeed, I suppose it's very important to thank the members of the public for their patience and courtesy with us on Garishikon during the, this difficult time. Yeah, the majority of people, I think, were quite accepting. You know, people got used to the fact that there was a possibility you were going to be stopped at a checkpoint and people were quite good about it. They were fantastic, Patricia. The feedback has been unbelievable for the public. They understood it was there. It was there for their own, I suppose, protection to a certain degree. And, uh, you know, the people that were really critical of it were people probably that may have been trying to avoid them in the first place anyway. So the feedback we would have received has been hugely positive, Patricia. That's great. That really is great. OK. And uh, to wrap up, this is our last uh, Garda file for, for 2021. It's kind of timely to mention the West Cork Garda Youth Awards. The awards still went ahead this year, but obviously they took a different format, did they? They did, Patricia. No, we haven't presented them yet. The, the, the judging uh, has only just taken place. So, in fact, it's fantastic. And the timing for me, this is the first time these are being announced ah. for the young people. So, it's it, it's great. So, again, we're we're really tied with the government regulations into how we're going to present these awards. So, we, we hope to present them sometime in January, uh, obviously, in, in, in guidance with whatever government regulations will be in place at the time. So, this is the first time they're being announced, so it's a great opportunity for me, so I'm delighted. OK, so run, run through the winners list then for us, please. Brilliant. So the winners for 2020, the overall individual award winners were C. O'Connor from Skibbereen, Ayanna Helder from Bandon, Sean Dwyer from Castletown Bear, Amy Carney from Baltimore, and Ellie May Dyer from Kinsale. OK, congratulations. They're the five overall winners. Then you've got group winners... The group winners uh, were two. Uh, the judges couldn't pick between them, so that they, they they gave two award winners this year, which we're delighted with. The first one is the TY group from Bandon Grammar School, and the second group was McCroom Faroya Club. So congratulations to both of those. Okay, and some special achievement award winners. Again, you know, young people have been doing tremendous works in our community during these difficult times and it's really important to acknowledge them and that's what these awards are all about. So we, this year we've given out four Special Achievement Awards. So the first one is for Donna Torp from Kinsale. The second one is for Celine Barry, also Kinsale. The third one is Connor O'Shea from Clondrohid. And the last Special Achievement Award this year goes to Latoya Torp, also from Kinsale. And then you've got a Community Safety Award winner. Community Safety Award, and again, I suppose we would have read the, the great deeds of some young people throughout West Cork, like the kids, the young people from Kinsale Community School who started developing the, the face shields and things like that. So young people have been unbelievably productive through, through this pandemic. So uh, the judges have awarded three Community Safety Awards. So the first one is for Oshin Coyle and Shane Collins. The second one is for Sophie O'Sullivan from Baldy Hobb. 
and the third one is for John Lynch from Dunmanway. Congratulations. And then you've got different district winners? Yeah, over the years, for each Garda district, the, the judges like to award one winner from each Garda district. So I'll just call out the districts and the winners from that district. Okay. So the first one is Bandon Garda district, and the winners are Dara and Emma O'Callaghan. Uh, the second one is Bantry Garda district, and the winner is Carl O'Donovan from Adore Drama League. The third Garda district is Clonakilty, and the winner is Andrea Sheehy from Cray in Baltimore. And the final Garda district is McCroom, and the winner is Coleman McKindy from McCroom also. Okay, congratulations. As you say, that's the first time that those winners, that those young people don't know that they've picked up those awards. I'm assuming they'll all be contacted, will they? They'll all be contacted, Patricia. And just to say again, that person, we normally have a beautiful presentation. Like yeah. We sit down in a hotel and we sit down and have a meal and lovely speeches and things. Unfortunately, it looks like with government regulations, we might not get that opportunity. So we will be in touch with them in the next few days or with an official letter of congratulations. And we will we will tease out how we, we can present these awards this year under a certain cut. Regulations. Okay, and it has been a tough year for young people, and they've come in for a bit of flack, uh, and sometimes it was it was deservedly so because some young people didn't take the whole COVID thing seriously. But the majority of young people, I think, have been exceptional this year, Don. They have been exceptional, Patricia. I mean, look, myself and my colleague Gareth James Amani, we work with young people on a daily basis, and we are blessed to be working with the, 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 I suppose, the quality of young people we're working with. They get a real, I suppose, a difficult time in the media, but the vast, vast majority of young people are just tremendous. They're brilliant in our communities, their families, their schools, and everything that they represent. So it's great that we can actually publicly state that. Okay, well done. Well done, and congratulations to all of the winners. Listen, uh, Don, thank you, and the rest of the gang for all your contri- on your contribution during the year on all of the different Garda programmes, and we'll be back again in uh, 2021. Thank you very much, Patricia. Okay, Dan. Happy Christmas to all your uh, Many happy returns. Thank you for that. That is Garda Don Davis joining us from Bantry Garda Station. 1850-333-103. I saw somebody contact us about this earlier and I really am interested in your thoughts on this. One listener says, Patricia, what do you think of the news that came out yesterday? Read it on the internet that the government are talking about letting restaurants open until 12.30 on New Year's Eve. Have they all gone mad? Every other country across Europe and indeed across the word are telling people to not go out. They're shutting down places uh, and telling people to celebrate at home. What kind of a message are we sending out here? Now for a start, it's, it's not the government that are doing that, but there ha- a call has gone out to the restaurant, from the Restaurant Association of Ireland. They're advocating for a one night only extension for New Year's Eve so the customers could stay on licensed premises, be it a, your gastropub or a restaurant, that they could stay there until half 12 and ring in the new year without being forced to leave the premises before midnight. Now, under the current guidelines, restaurants and pubs who serve food, customers must be off the premises by 11.30. And if, you were, if you're out, if you were out last weekend or you're heading out this weekend, you'll know all, that's what they're doing. Half 11, you've got to be out and gone and the front door's closed. So Adrian Cummins the CEO of the Restaurant Association of uh, Ireland uh, tweeted last night that that they're basing their request on public health grounds and what they're thinking behind it is they want to avoid street and house parties. So they're saying what they're asking the government to do is to allow the restaurants and the gastropubs to trade 
until half past 12 on New Year's Eve and then have everybody off the premises by half past 12. And what they're calling for is a one night only extension. They're not saying for every night over Christmas, let us open an hour later just for New Year's Eve. And their fear factor is that if they push everybody out onto the streets at half 11, people are going to want to go somewhere to celebrate, to ring in the new year. And if they're out with a group of people, I mean, they're they're saying that they don't want any changes to the, you know, the requirements that you have at the moment, that you can only go out and be, have a meal with six people. They're saying don't want any changes to that. No changes to the two metre rule between the tables. None of that. Everything as is just to allow the restaurants to allow whoever has managed to get that last booking in the restaurants to allow the customers to stay on the premises until half past 12. The theory is that they'll celebrate then, they'll ring in the new year and that the good people will head out at half past 12 and they'll all go home and that they won't be heading off to street to house parties or street parties or hang around outside waiting around for the, for the new year to run in. So I welcome your thoughts. This listener obviously thought it was the government were doing it it's not it's a call to the government uh, to do it but obviously this listener making the point that in other countries they have curfews in place and though I was looking across Europe because Europe has gone quite strict because we've seen the number of cases rising right across Europe and some of the countries have very strict curfews in place that everyone has to be off the street by 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock and nobody is allowed out on the street after that. Some are giving a little bit of leeway though over Christmas and for New Year's but others are not. Others, the system is right. Others are saying no, if you want to celebrate New Year this year you need to do it in the safety and the privacy of your own home and they shouldn't, you shouldn't be out socialising. So your thoughts welcomed. Would you be with the Restaurants Association of Ireland saying this is the safest way to do it, keep people on the premises and then let them out at half past 20 12. Are, are you with the other listener who says no, nobody should be out nobody should be in a licensed premise ringing in the new year this year. 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And should the bars that are allowed to open, the gastro pubs and the restaurants, should they be allowed for one night only an extension on New Year's Eve to allow customers to remain on the premises to ring in the new year? Uh, this is a suggestion that's come forward from the Restaurant Association of Ireland. Some of your thoughts on that. Tom says, I would be in favour of allowing what the Restaurants Association are asking. At least it would be a controlled environment and a managed environment. Whereas if you're asking everybody to go home at half ten or half 11 they will go on to house parties and then that becomes an uncontrolled environment and the ones giving out saying it shouldn't happen tell them they don't have to go out they can stay at home at the end of the day it's personal responsibility it's common sense people just have to mind themselves Ger says when in a million years would the Irish ever go home at half 10 half 11 or even half 12 and we the Irish love to drink and people will continue to party somewhere else so it makes no difference in Ger's mind at what time you're going to close at the pubs. Uh, Anne says, Patricia, I would have no problem with this at all and I'm coming from the 
from somebody who doesn't drink at all. I can't see anything wrong with letting them ring in the new year and stay on after half past 12. It would only be for an hour, particularly after the year we have had, says Anne. So she's in favour of what the Restaurant Association are calling for. And Liz says it's crackers. Limit the amount of time in restaurants and won't stop anything. Uh, So I'm assuming from that, Liz, you would want people to stay on in the restaurants. John says, Patricia, all the pubs and restaurants should be closed. He's of the other view. He feels they're the cause of covert in many cases, all because they're starved of money. Where was the money they all made on previous uh, years, says John. So he was never in favour of the restaurants and the gastropubs being allowed to open. OK, that's some of your thoughts coming in on that. 1850 And all morning I've been getting texts in and I have been ignoring it. Just haven't had a chance uh, to get it. Let me sum it up by John saying, Patricia, Michal Martin must be losing it. When he said yesterday that the banks were not bailed out. Try telling the people who lost their homes, who lost their entire life's savings and the people who lost their livelihoods. It's insulting to many, many people to hear that statement yesterday. The USE are the bankers tax, as John calls it, impacts on all working people. He should tell us who bailed out the bond, who the bailed out bondholders are, says John and lots of people saying that they were quite shocked and quite taken aback by the Taoiseach, Micheál Martin and he's been accused of trying to rewrite history by claiming that the last Fianna Fáil government did not bail out the banks uh, during the financial crisis I think every media report I have read since he made the statement are calling it a bizarre claim and it was met obviously with shock by former cabinet colleagues who are the ones who signed off on the 664 billion euro bailout. God, you forget the staggering figure. 64 billion uh, euro. Last night, though, the th- a spokesperson for the Taoiseach doubled down on the claims by Micheál Martin yesterday, saying the state injected equity into the banks so the banking system could continue to function and they did that to protect jobs and to support economic recovery. So they're saying that it was an injection of equity which is what Mio Martin said yesterday and that injection of equity was not a uh, bailout. And can I say well done to a group of journalists at the Irish Examiner who are running and I don't know who's responsible for it because there's three names on this article. It's uh, Daniel McConnell, Paul Hosford and Elaine uh, Lockham. They are running with a piece today saying that Micheál Martin referred to the bank bailout 57 times before he made the claim in the doll yesterday that the Irish banks were not bailed out. One of the three of those journalists trawled through kildarestreet.ie to find out how many times in Dawes speeches did Micheál Martin refer to a bank bailout and the term bailout was referenced a total of 57 times all but two of them related to Ireland's EU IMF uh, loans. So people are really scratching their heads on this one but Micheál Martin allowing the spokesperson is adamant that uh, that wasn't a bailout it was instead an injection of Uh, equity instead into the banks and of course he's been accused by all different parties uh, all all different politicians that he is trying to rewrite uh, history. The former Fianna Fáil cabinet minister Eamon O'Keeve said that the then government did 
bail out the banks and did not bail out the bank uh, shareholders. Anyway, uh, people are just scratching their heads as well, saying that they couldn't believe that that was actually as, as stated yesterday, and it was by the Taoiseach. 1850 333103. Get your pet, see some pet questions coming in for Jane. Keep those coming, please. And just on other topics coming in, speaking of masses over Christmas, and it's nice to give shout outs to local priests. I'm happy to do that. We are blessed in the Roscarbury Parish with our parish priest, says this texture. That's Father John McCarthy. He is going to have six masses between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, to whom we are all very, very grateful. He's also going to have a Nativity Mass online on Christmas Eve. He's also on his own in the parish, a wonderful man. Some of the priests really are going to great lengths. And I'm not in any way saying that the priests that are not doing it, that they're bad people. They're not. They just might not be in a position to do it. And we have to be aware And of some of the priests are older. They're not able to do it. And some of them are cocooning themselves and some of them are, are not well. They're, they're medically vulnerable. So not everyone's in the position to do it. But those that are seem to be really going above and beyond. On. Somebody else says Father Murphy in Ballyfehan Parish is doing five Masses on Christmas Eve plus Masses on Christmas Day. He also is the only priest in the parish and it really is showing how low our vocation numbers are and what has been forecast for many, many years about the lack of priests and how when a crisis like this happens, it's then that you see how stuck the Catholic Church are for priests in order to facilitate all of those masses. So the ones that are trying to do their best on their own uh, are really, as I say, going above and beyond. Uh, Pat says, Hi Patricia, if you want to renew a driver's licence, they will not accept cash payment. I wonder why. That, Pat, came in it came in during COVID was one of the was you had to pay on online you have to pay by credit card or not pay online you have to pay by credit card or a debit card I, I, I don't know it was something to do with COVID let me I won't get to it today but let me see if I can do some research over the weekend and find out what it's all about because you're not the only one that has drawn our attention to it and you're not the only one who has maybe has a problem with it we've had people contact us who only deal in cash they don't have a bank card, they don't have a credit card that there are, and I know you, you hear some people say, everybody has a bank account everybody has a bank card, not everybody does, there are people who still only like to deal in a cash it's like, you know, the frustration when we're being put online and everything even from the government we're told to do everything online or check this website or if you want to apply for that you have to apply online. Let us never forget that not everyone has the ability to go online and it's the very same not everybody has access to a bank account and I think you know for that reason facilities have to be put in place to accommodate both people who only deal in cash and likewise people who don't have access to the uh, internet. So leave it with me Pat and I'll see if I can find out what's going on and if there's any plans uh, to uh, change it. I can see does anybody agree with me, Hall Martin, that Fianna Fáil did not bail out the banks. There was some juror in uh, Buttevant. Fianna Fáil never paid back the banks, said somebody. They got us fools paying the tax to pay it back, uh, says uh, one listener. Just on the cotton mask, remember the listener who says that they've got a problem in that she feels that her, her lips and the lower half of her body is going numb if she's got the mask on for over an hour. When she takes it off, it's all okay, but she's looking for any suggestions or solutions. Somebody says, Patricia, I wear a very light cotton mask. It's made out of like a shirt material. I wear it all day in uh, work and I have it on me until I head home. Never felt any numbs, numbness at all. And it's actually more, might be more breathable 
for your listener. Yeah, you can get those. They're just a single strip of cotton. I actually have some of them. I find if I have to, you know, do a big supermarket shop or I'm going to be somewhere where I know I'm going to have the mask on for a longer period of time. I like to wear those very thin. It's a light cotton one. You can buy them. They're, They're on sale. If you're handy with the old needle and thread of the sewing machine, you'd be able to make them up as well. And that's exactly as you describe. It's like a shirt, you know, that light cotton. And it's just one single strip of cotton. It certainly is is more more breathable. So that might be a tip for a listener who says that she's tried cotton masks and she's tried the surgical ones. I find the surgical ones quite hard to breathe through. I, I don't particularly like the disposable ones. I've got all the all the reusable ones. So that's a good suggestion. Thank you to the texter for that to 0862 103 103. And thank you to Dennis. When I was talking about the vaccines and the number of vaccines we are expected to get and there's this shipment of uh, 2,500 that is due in and I mistakenly thought that that would be for 252,500 vials in that you'd have to have that for the number of people that, that could get it in. Dennis is a man in the know. He says the vaccine is shipped in consignments of 975 vials. Each contains five doses. Our initial supply will be almost 5,000 doses. The HSC will need to hold back half of those in order to administer the second dose three weeks later. So that means two and a half thousand people will be in the first cohort of those getting the jab and hopefully that's going to be before the new year we're hoping that's going to be in that week after Christmas between Christmas and New Year that's if we get the go ahead that we're expecting to get from the European Medicines Agency next Monday and then they'll have a week or so to get everything in place and then it'll be just shortly after Christmas that they'll head out to nursing homes and I'm assuming we'll have it on the TV like we've done in other parts of the world and we'll see the first person in Ireland to be administered with us. So thank you Dennis, a man in the know uh, two and a half thousand people expected to get it and then how long we'll wait for the second shipment your guess is as good as mine 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Celebrate a real Cork Christmas Find out more at corkcoco.ie Cardallary Community Development they're holding their weekly lotto draw it's this afternoon at four in the community office this week's jackpot is 1,600 euro and tickets are available locally Now the annual goal mile in Donnerell Park will obviously not go ahead this year but you are asked to support Goal by running or walking your own Goal mile safely over the Christmas period and all you simply do then is donate online further details www.goalglobal.org and the annual Myrtleville Christmas swim in aid of the Mercy Kids and Teens appeal that also can't go ahead as normal this year but organisers are asking swimmers to take a frosty dip anytime between December 17th and December 24th and then donate online videos and photos can be shared on Instagram at the Danny Crowley Swim. C103. Now I'm joined on the programme by Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, uh, Thomas Gould. Good afternoon to you, Thomas. Good afternoon, Thomas. You, you've sent a petition to the Minister for Health, which I'm told has over a thousand uh, signatures, calling for the South Dock to reopen in Blackpool. Just to get the background here, when it, how long has the South Dock service in Blackpool been closed, and was it due to COVID? What happened in March, there was an announcement that South Dock were closing nine facilities across Cotton County because of the COVID-19 crisis, which people accepted. But at the time, I, I've had serious concerns about uh, 
Sotak and their attitude towards the, the Blackpool facility. So I contacted the minister at the time and I said, listen, are you looking for assurances that this is a temporary closure and it will be reopened? And I got that at the time. And then as the lockdown receded over the summer, it still didn't open. So I've been in constant contact with the HSE, the Minister for Health, Sotak themselves, and also the Taoiseach in relation to the matter. And uh, I've been getting nowhere. The minister was telling me that it's it's it will be reopened, that it's a temporary closure, and that it's planned to be reopened, but there's no evidence. So, And I other South Dock services that closed have reopened? Everyone, ev- every other South Dock facility has reopened, okay. except for the one in the north side of Blackpool. Okay. So I wrote to the Minister for Health, and I put in a Freedom of Information request, looking for correspondence between the HSE and South Dock, and it's unbelievable what we found out. It turns out that on the 18th of September, HSE instructed Southwark to reopen the facility. And Southwark then uh, wrote back to the HSE that they would open the facility. Then the HSE wrote back to Southwark again and said that they do not accept Southwark's position and they want it open with immediate effect as opposed to serious risk to unnecessary presentations to acute hospitals. In other words, the closure of South Dock and Blackpool was forcing people into the, the Mercy and the CUH at a time when we're in the middle of a pandemic and we shouldn't be sending people there unless they urgently have to go there. And am I right in saying that a South Dock, the South Dock service is funded out of the public purse? They actually get $7.3 million a year from the HSE to provide this service for Cork and Kerry. Now, Blackpool is a part of that. And for them to completely actually, they, they wrote back to the HSE again and they said that they would not be reopening their facility. And the point I've made, and I spoke to the Taoiseach yesterday about it and the Minister for Health, is that I think we sh- if they don't reopen the, the Blackpool South Dock by the 31st of December, that they're a breach of their service level agreement and that we should withhold funding until it's opened. So for people living in Blackpool, if God forbid one of them needed a South Dock, needed to see a doctor at the South Dock service out of hours this evening, they they have to go where? The Kinsale Road road. And what if but, you don't have a car? Can I say this? It's not just for people in Blackpool. It's all over the north side, but it goes to areas like Tor, Blarney, Whitechurch, Caligniver. It's a huge area. It's a huge area not to have a note of all service. You know, like, you're, you're talking about 100,000 people being pushed in. And what, what South Dock are saying, and we've seen this before, they're, they're trying to reduce costs. Now, if you're getting 7.3 million a year, Plus, a lot of people are private patients and they pay to go there. I've, I've used Blackpool, unfortunately, too many times. It's a good service with good staff and good doctors. And we need it. We need it. Badly need it back. And just go back to the point you made earlier, Patricia. Over 1,200 people, I put a petition on my Facebook page, and over 1,200 people have signed it, and hundreds have put down comments about why they feel it's such a vital service. The whole wider north side area. Okay, and the argument, uh, the argument that South Talk in their defence, they say, and I quote, Cork City doctors are working more effectively from a single treatment centre, and they say they're operating a safer model for all concerned. Do you know how doctors feel about this decision? Well, j- j- just on that, 
the HSC have said that uh, they don't accept what South Dock are saying in that statement. So here you have the HSC saying that that's not correct and that they have no reliable evidence to base that on. Okay. And also, I, I know for a fact there are those doctors in the north side who want the facility open up for their patients and uh, they haven't gone public about it, but I know people have been in contact with me stating that it needs to be open. And these are doctors who care about their patients. OK, John, o- John O'Donovan has contacted us on this issue as well. Good afternoon, John. Afternoon, John, you, you, I'm very well, thank you. You have huge concerns. You, you think this is closure by stealth. It's never going to reopen. That's what I'm afraid of. And in fairness to Thomas, Thomas is the only one that's speaking out on behalf of the people in the North Side. I'm firmly convinced we wouldn't even be having this discussion if Simon Coveney, uh, Michael McGrath or the Taoiseach himself, Michal Martin, were living in the North Side. All the powerful people are living in the South Side. Once again, and Thomas will definitely agree on this, the North Side is going to be left behind here again. This, to me, has shades of the ghost of the North family, which opened in, seven, in 1720, closed 1987, right? And now, 33 years later now, we have another facility now that is in danger of being closed again. And once again, the people of the North Side, as Thomas has said, are being shafted. They're, you, they're coming in from Cali Navarre, Raccoonie, the top of Mayfield, Nakhnehini. It's going to put massive pressure on the South Side. And you, what you rightly said, Patricia, if you have, not everyone, contrary to what people might think, actually have it, uh, access to a car. How are those people going to get across to the South Side? Like, yeah, know? well, I know we were contacted by somebody who's, who said that her, her neighbour had to pay 40, 40 euro in a taxi. No, this is not good enough. Like, I mean, I mean, I remember a person uh, describing to me uh, when they're not in front of me, they said, it's like the death of an old friend. That hospital should never have closed. We now see the COH that was busting at the seams and they're talking about a greenfield site for a new hospital. And here we are now in 2020 and they're going to close this facility in Blackpool. Now, if there is any problem infrastructure-wise with the buildings or anything, and Thomas will back me up on this as well, there's plenty of parts of Blackpool which have been neglected down through the years, Watercourse Road and all around that area. There's plenty of buildings out there. Some even brand new were never even used, which could be used for this facility. Okay. Well, I'm definitely and convinced if this, if, if we had a minister in the north side, we wouldn't be having this discussion today. And Thomas, more than anything, the fact that it has closed in the middle of a pandemic. You see, Patricia, it actually goes against all the public health advice. People need access to doctors. People, like there are a lot of other illnesses out there outside the COVID-19 that doctors need to treat. But just going back to the point John made here, and in January this year, we saw the closure of two dental clinics in the north side, one in Mayfield and one in Montanati. Earlier in the year, on the 30th of August, Mount Cara House was to close, only for residents and family members in the community rallied with me and others yeah. to keep it open and to put pressure on the board. Like what we're seeing here is a complete t- uh, lack of services being taken out of the north side. And when I ran in the uh, general election, I, my uh, point was that the north side has been neglected for far too long. And I said it to the Taoiseach yesterday. I actually asked the Taoiseach, is there any chance that he could step in finally and someone do something for the north side? Because and what did he is, say to you? What response did you, you get? Know, what, he, what the teacher said to me is that oh, you, the Minister for Health would give me an answer before we finish in Dublin tomorrow. Okay. And actually, I'm going over there now. I, I, I'm speaking in a minute in the, the conference centre and I'm going to be raising the issue again because 
we need an answer. People are on to me every day, Patricia. If if you went to the Facebook page, you see the hundreds of comments. I have. I've seen it. I've seen. I've seen it. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. People are really, really Patricia, upset about this. Just one more point. Okay, go on, John. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, if this was the south side and and South Dock was in danger of being closed, Nihon Martin, I tell you something, would would be definitely under tremendous pressure, and it would not happen. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, we'll wait to see what, what, how Thomas gets on today. But in the meantime, gentlemen, thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us. That's uh, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central, uh, Thomas Gould, and also uh, from the, the city, uh, John O'Donovan, 1850 And a different John is having a go at me when I was talking about Hall Martin being accused of trying to rewrite uh, history by claiming yesterday that the Fianna Fáil-led government didn't bail out the banks. John says, who is she? And I'll take it, that's me. Why is she pointing the finger at Fianna Fáil? There was a worldwide recession. So many countries had to borrow money and had to, to do what was done because of the crash. Why are they all against Fianna Fáil? What about all the good that Fianna Fáil did? And by the way, when John Paul pushed him, uh, John is a Fianna Fáil uh, supporter. I don't think anybody was having a go at Fianna Fáil or the Fianna Fáil party, John. I think what people were talking about was a rather bizarre claim that Micheál Martin said the banks were not bailed out. Even former Fianna Fáil cabinet minister Eamon O'Keeve said the then government did bail out the banks and didn't bail out the bank shareholders. It was the banks who were bailed out. So I think it's just it's just the statement. It's just trying to rewrite history. Nobody's having a go at uh, Fianna Fáil. And uh, Michael is uh, also wondering why are we not why are we not hearing anything about flu? Uh, it's all about COVID. Why are we not hearing about all the deaths from flu? Well, I can give you an answer to that. And judging by the comment from Michael, he people seem to be very angry today as they're a full moon. Um, Michael, I can tell you why we're not hearing about deaths from flu, thankfully, and it's got a lot to do with the wearing of masks, it's got a lot to do with good hand hygiene and keeping two metres away from each other. There's been no cases of flu this year. That's not to say that we won't get flu over Christmas and into the new year, but please God, we won't if we all keep up the keeping our distance and the good cough etiquette and all of that. There's no spread of flu this year. It's one of the real, if we can have a positive out of this year, it certainly is uh, one of them. 1853 333103. Anula says, I don't think restaurants should be allowed to open at all. Look at those working in hospitals at the moment. Think of all of the people, in particular our frontline workers, the pressure they are under. Can we not for one year do without a big Christmas? Anula said, I heard a doctor from Northern Ireland, that was Dr. Gabriel, Gabriel Scally speaking yesterday. Uh, he says Christmas should be cancelled until Easter. I did hear Gabriel Scally uh, talk about that and, and I know where he's coming from because he's in particular talking about what's going on in Northern Ireland. But I don't think anyone is going to cancel Christmas, but it's it's how we handle Christmas and what we do with Christmas and how we are sensible about it. That's what we need. That's what we need to do going forward. 1850-333-103. If you have a pet question, please get it in. Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will uh, join us uh, next for our last pet slot for 2020. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, are joining us for our final pet corner for 2020. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi, you, hi, Patricia. How are you, you doing? You sound you're in a very busy spot, are you? I am, and, unfortunately, yeah. today. My apologies yeah, for the background okay. noise. It's just all go here, yeah, I'm afraid. You're, 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 you're OK. OK, as we always do in the last one before uh, Christmas, just a gentle reminder to pet owners of the dangers of Christ- Christmas 
to our pets. Yeah, it can be quite a dangerous time for our pets. Um, although I'm sure they really love getting enjoy getting kind of involved in all the festivities and having lots of people around. I suppose more of kind of the intimate family gathering this year, this time. There are a few dangers to be aware of. I think the number one thing I would say is just be really careful while you leave it lying around food-wise. So the main dangers of Christmas would be raisins or sultanas because they're in everything. They're in Christmas cake, they're in mince pies, they're in... Christmas pudding, lots of stuff stolen. Make sure you don't leave any of that lying around because unfortunately grapes and sultanas are toxic to both cats and dogs. Yeah, we only had that yeah. last week, didn't we, yeah, with one of our, one exactly. of our listeners' pets. So yeah. be really, really careful with that one. The other one is chocolate. Be super careful. Now, the worst thing would be, let's say, a large volume of dark chocolate. Let's say milk or white chocolate is not as bad, but it still can be highly toxic. So just be really careful with what you leave, leave lying around. If your dog does happen to eat mince pies or chocolate, give your vet a call. It's not something to sit on and wait. It's the, the best thing to do is as soon as you've noticed, give your vet a call for some advice um, because your pet may need to be seen. Other than that, just make sure that um, any kind of, let's say, wiry or glass or sharp decorations are high up on the tree so they're out of reach from kind of four-legged creatures on the floor investigating the tree um, because sometimes they can be quite exciting things for them to play with and they might swallow and ingest them and they can get blocked and stuck and cause a lot of damage. So make sure any of, let's say, the, the more fragile wire metal decorations are up higher on the tree well out of reach. OK, and if you want to give treats, because some people want to give treats to, to their pets over Christmas, I mean, you can get chocolate that's specifically for dogs. Yeah, you can get a chocolate lookalike. It's made of a compound called carob, which is safe for dogs and cats. The one thing I'd say is just be really careful. It's a very good copy so it tastes really nice for dogs and cats, but just make sure that, you know, it doesn't get mixed up with your own chocolate around right. the house. And if you have small children, you don't want the reverse. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. ideally. Okay. okay. All right. Questions straight away for uh, Jane. Helena, question please for Jane. How can we get a small house dog to stop licking your person? As soon as you sit down beside the dog, anywhere near him, he's frantically licking. How do we stop the licking? Mm, that's an interesting one. A lot of the time, if it's a new dog in a new environment, it can be one of two things. One thing it can be is a stress response. So they're kind of trying to soothe themselves. It's equivalent of us biting our nails, essentially. Sometimes if they engage in kind of a a licking or or a chomping behavior, it's kind of a distraction. So if they're finding something a little bit stressful, a little bit overwhelming in their new environment, sometimes they can kind of self-soothe by doing that. Another thing it can be is sometimes that, let's say, dogs and cats learn a lot by their mouths, so they have incredible taste receptors. So sometimes they might be trying to learn about their environment and learn about you guys by licking. Um, So they're kind of gaining all that information and their incredible brains are processing it. Um, So it could be either curiosity or a little bit of stress. The main thing I'd say is if it's a new dog in the household, don't stress too much about it. It's likely something that'll settle down. Just give it time. And the main thing I'd say is, is, you know, if it's licking, it's not causing anybody any damage at this point. But the important thing to keep an eye out is just in case they start licking themselves and let's say causing any skin damage themselves, that's something that would need to be dealt with. Um, But I think just give it time, stay very calm. and And I wouldn't reprimand the dog for let's say licking the area as long as it's not causing anybody any harm Okay, Um, listener says I've got an 8 year old Shih Tzu who for the last few months is wetting at night despite the fact that his toilet is just before bedtime don't have any wetting during the day it's only happening at night, what could be the cause? Mm. What what age did you say the little dog? Eight. Eight years old I think that if this is a change in urination pattern which it sounds like in an adult dog I would suggest going to your vet about this one so sometimes let's say young puppies and kittens they don't have great bladder control so it's quite common for them to get caught short overnight and pee or poo inside but an older dog they should have normal bladder control and if this is a change for them this is not something 
something they've always done, I would assume, um, then it could be an indicator of, let's say, a bladder problem, something as simple as a little bit of a bladder infection. But it's really important to get it checked out because it can be an early indicator of um, some more more serious problems, for example, diabetes or, or kidney issues. Now, there's no cause for concern just yet, and I assume our little dog is happy and healthy otherwise, but I would advise visiting your vet about this one just to get it checked out. Kathleen McCroom has a cockapoo, and when the cockapoo was being groomed, the groomer grooms his anal glands, I'm assuming does the empties the anal glands is what she means mm-hmm. uh, and the groomer is finding it hard to do it lately. Kathleen is wondering is it because of his diet or what? He's becoming very aggressive. The groomer said to check his diet. What would mm. you think is going on? I think if he's if he's struggling with his anal glands, so normally signs of anal gland um, infection or impaction or getting quite full uh, would be looking around at the back end all of a sudden or itching the bum off the floor sometimes trying to lick the back end. Um, so I assume one of those signs has been seen for the groomer to empty them. What I would say, however, is that if you do actually think there's a problem and you have noticed your dog going at the anal glands, the best person to see about that is the vet because as trained professionals, we can we can assess them fully. Sometimes dogs can become a lot more tender around their back end, and particularly in the anal gland area, if they have got an infection ongoing or if they're very full and impacted. So we, I think in this case, it's it's a job for a vet. Yeah, and the, the, the fact that Kathleen says that the dog starts to get aggressive exactly. when the groomer goes near him, he's in pain. I mean, yeah. dogs don't yeah. dogs that are not normally aggressive don't just suddenly get aggressive. It's no. it's a sign it's a sign that they're uh, in pain for sure. Yeah. Uh, and Jar says hi. Any advice, please, from uh, Jane? I put down small stones at the back of my house. I have six cats and they've all decided this is where they now want to do their business every day. Is there anything I can spray to stop them going in this particular area? There are a few products on the market um, that are kind of act as kind of smelly, odorous deterrents. Um, so the pets are kind of encouraged to stay away from the area. It's something that they might find as a slightly unpleasant smell, as it were, but it's not dangerous for them. Um I know, I know there's several different brands on the market, but I know there's one particular one around here that's it's called Get Off, and it's a little gel that you can put in areas of the garden if there's particularly, let's say, lovely plants you want to keep them away for, or stones in this case. Um, it's interesting that they've all decided to go there. Usually it's a domino effect for cats and dogs. If one, one cat or dog pees in one place, they'll all follow suit because they're all kind of wanting to integrate their smell or drop their scent in the same place. Um, so I think one of those products would be a good thing, but also giving the area a really, really good wash may help things just to get a little a red rid of the smell that's existing they might be more inclined to go somewhere else to do their business Okay and on dogs licking a texter says our little dog loves our girls so so much he'll jump up on the couch beside them and when he's licking their face he's almost biting them but it's done with affection Hmm. Okay I think if there is any kind of nibbling or biting going on, that's a problem. With small little dogs, I think a lot of this goes under the radar and people kind of, you know, laugh it off as, you know, it's only a small dog, it's not going to do any damage, but they, they really can do. They have very sharp teeth. So any early indication that there might be biting or nibbling or let's say bite play going on, particularly with younger younger people, um, is, is a big red flag that you need to kind of take action. The best thing to do is not to kind of engage and not, not to, let's say, shout at them or anything like that, um, because they think that that's kind of reacting to their place, so that will, in a sense, encourage their behaviour. The best thing to do, essentially, is to give them some time out time, so take them, take them into another room away from where all the play was going on and give them five to ten minutes to cool down. Sometimes it's just that they get very wound up with adrenaline and they might be playing a lot, um, so if you can kind of disengage from that behaviour and they'll learn that if they start kind of the nibbling and the play biting, the fun all ends. 
so um, they, they just kind of slowly clock on to the idea but you do need to be consistent in it and quite patient but I think the best thing to do is to keep everybody safe and just make sure that um, you no know, younger people are around um, and that everybody's kept safe and secure in the situation. Because it, do, it does sound like he's just very excited. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, it's, yeah. yeah, but just, just, just it's to try to stop it. Mm-hmm. And then a listener has a 12-week-old pup. It's a pug mix trying to do the house training. He'll go out or she goes out, does her business, everything is fine. As soon as I bring her back in, she'll go to the toilet immediately. I've okay. spent time outside with her. I tried to play with her. I tried to praise her. But the minute we come back into the house, bums is more. She does does her business again. Yeah, that's a really tough one and my heart goes out to you because it is a really challenging time to try and um, get the toilet training kind of ingrained into their brain. It sounds like they're trying all of the right things. They're looking to spend a lot of time outside, a little bit of play. Sometimes exercise can provoke them to pee and poo, so that's, that's a good idea. I think really in this case, our little doggo has just got it into their head that the peeing place is inside. So the first thing I would do is clean that place really, really thoroughly with a pet safe cleaner to remove all scent of the pee and poo there. And then carry on with what you're doing. Take them out very frequently and do exactly as you are. Lots of playing outside. And if they do happen to do their business outside, make sure you keep playing for another five minutes because the last thing you want to do is have it kind of um, set in their head that, well, I do my peas and my poos and then all of a sudden I get taken inside and the fun ends. You don't want them to associate doing their business outside with the fun ending outside. So make sure you keep playing for another little while afterwards. And it'll soon settle in, but I think give them as many chances as you can to do the right thing. And when they do do the right thing, give them plenty of verbal fuss. Give them, a, you know, make make them feel like they're the best little dog in the world. Um, and soon they'll, with that positive reinforcement, I'm sure you'll have lots of success. So keep going. Sounds like you're very much going in the right direction. You will get there. You You will will get there. And breathe a small adult terrier woke up today with a cherry eye. What's the treatment? Okay. So if it has a cherry eye, so that's where the the third eyelid, so the little part in the inside of our eye essentially pops out. It just becomes quite swollen um, and it can sometimes cause damage to the front of the eye. If that's the case and if it's been diagnosed by your vet, your vet will be the best person to guide you. Um, If it is a cherry eye, it'll usually need management or treatment with, with surgery to rectify it but it really depends on how severe it is and to make sure that there's no other factors that are causing swelling in the eye for example an injury to the eye or infection or anything like that so it's just really important to visit your vet if it's already been diagnosed to, to listen to their advice and, and take it further if, if that's deemed if that's what's deemed necessary by the vet Okay listen have a great Christmas are you working over Christmas? I'm working a little bit over New Year's but I'm off for the day itself Okay <laughs> but, but like doctors and nurses vets are on call we are indeed. Yeah. It's part, part and parcel. Okay, please God, you'll, you'll have a quiet uh, Christmas and uh, New Year. As always, uh, Jane, thank you for all of your contributions throughout the year and we look forward to chatting in 2021. Yeah, look forward to it. Take Happy care. Christmas. Happy thank Christmas. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. So I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul and to Sadie. We'll talk tomorrow at 10. It's then Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.